0: So when we met, or possibly even before you came out, you were telling me that there's a common common question that you answer about your names.
1: Yes. That, that yes. you
0: tell people, no I'm not.
1: Oh God. Um, I- you have to remind me the question because I get a million questions about my name. Uh, the one, well, the one is you said,
0: I'm, it's not a porn star name. Oh, I, that is actually my name. That
1: is my real actual name. Right. Well, <laughs> I don't know. If you, I, I don't
0: know if you had this one before, but when I when I uh, was talking to the wife before I was leaving, um, that I was meeting you and that we were sitting down and and I told her your name, she says, that sounds like a British nanny.
1: I get everything. I you get that one. I I've gotten British before. I have people say, "Oh, that's a very proper British name." Um, British nanny? haven't, but I think that's kind of cool because yeah. that makes me on par with Mary Poppins. Basically, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I, I figure
0: you should be like you know like taking care of some children and singing to them and, teach, and teaching them life wisdom.
1: Right. I, I which I obviously do on a daily basis. Not really, uh, but you know. Of course. You know, in my heart. Um, also, I should be able to like pull random things out of my purse yeah. and like fly around with an umbrella. I, I, I feel like I should be able to do that. I,
0: I see this movie in my head. I really do. I see your name in big <laughs> <have> it. gold <laughs> script. Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode 182 of The Matinee Cast. It's the movie loving podcast of my movie loving website, thematinee.ca. You're home for cinematic passion and perspective. We're outside again, people. <laughs> you can <laughs> probably hear that already. Uh, forces aligned to uh, kick me out of what I thought was gonna be a home recording. And uh, forces also aligned to make me stall on another show. But uh, that's okay because we have stumbled into a very strange part of summer where there is so very much to talk about. Um, and uh, that's not usually the case for August. No. And I'm actually really, really excited because of course I've got another, person. course, guest on. Uh, it's, it's, I, I, I'm always excited to get the first. Like, it's a weird little dichotomy with, with getting the long-time guests on back and getting the first-timers on. It's, it, I, like, I'm equally enthused for both. Um, so it's, it's like if somebody were to put a gun to my head and say, what's your preference? <laughs> I would be a dead man. Um, that laugh belongs to the writer of the somewhat uh, in need of some updating uh, Toronto Film Files. Your, uh, but the tip is coming so I'm hoping that there will be some writing happening there. Absolutely.
1: Um, absolutely. The
0: site you can find at torontofilmfiles.wordpress.com. Uh, we are in Midtown Toronto uh, in a lovely Starbucks location um, and my guest today is Jolie Featherstone, the infamous name. How are you Jolie Featherstone?
1: I am well. I'm happy. I'm excited to geek out. Film, discuss ghost stories. So
0: happy to be here. Finally, be I'm. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm gonna always like use the full name. Everybody, by
1: all
0: means, Go for it. <laughs> On episode 182, we will be discussing, uh, as Jeremy mentioned, a ghost story, and we'll be talking about that. We play the other side. Before that, we need to learn more about our guest. This is no your enemy. Time for me to stop talking for a little while. Miss Featherstone, what is the first film you can remember seeing in a theater? The first
1: film I remember seeing in a cinema was actually Casper. Uh, Yes.
0: Like 1993
1: or so. Around there with Christina Ricci, Devin Salva was actually Casper. Yeah. Um, Yes, that is the first film I remember seeing in a
0: theater. You know what's weird? I feel like somebody else, that was their first film. It's like somebody else on that show. I seem to remember. That answer.
1: I need to meet them. They're obviously like your, your kid spirits or something,
0: <laughs> you know. Um, it's, and 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 both times I'm going to say that I've actually never seen it. Really? No, You've never seen it. No, I, okay. like, it, it seems cute.
1: It is. It's a fun, cute movie. Um, I mean, Christina Ricci plays a young girl, sort of an outcast, a bit of a loner, moves to a new area with her father, and inevitably befriends the ghosts that are living in her house. Presumably, um, Casper, of course, is sort of the adorable and then it is gets- Three, I think two or three uncles who are just these oh, maniacal yeah, yeah, yeah. menace. It's ghosts. all coming back now. Yeah, and they sort of corrupt her father, which is its own sort of story. But Christina Ricci and Casper sort of develop their own friendship, and it's just a wonderful little story.
0: And it's back when Christina Ricci was still like a child actor. Like she's only like 12 or 13 in that movie. Yeah, she was. Well, probably older, but playing 12 or 13. Exactly.
1: She was incredibly young. I don't know exactly how old she was, but absolutely, she was playing a preteen. Yeah. For sure very, very young, and um don't want to give me any spoilers, but I'm going to go ahead <laughs> anyway For a
0: 20-something-year-old it's movie.
1: Exactly. So I feel like I'm, I'm safe, but um, in the end, we do see Casper in human form. Okay. He is granted the opportunity to be in human form, to have a dance with Christina Ricci, and he's played by 90s heartthrob uh, Denny
0: Which is probably why you saw it, right? <laughs> yeah, there Actually, no.
1: Right. I, I was all about Casper. I love ghosts, which is actually really strangely appropriate that we're talking you about.
0: No kidding! <laughs> uh, do you remember anything about, Go- so is this, where you, Where was this?
1: Yeah. It was definitely in Toronto. Um, I don't remember the exact cinema, but I just had this very sort of inky, faded memory of sitting in the cinema and watching the film and just being so happy, just being incredibly happy watching it and having a wonderful time. Um, Did I, any part of it scare you? No, not at all. I kind <laughs> of grew up off of horror films right. and okay. I grew up loving ghost stories and I think yeah. paranormal when I was 10, I told my teacher I wanted to be a paranormal investigator. That's what, <laughs> what you just I'm
0: finished your postgrad, post-grad on, right? Of <laughs> course, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> oh, is there postgrad on such a thing?
1: There probably is. Uh, I don't know why I, I gave wanna, up on that. I want to take it now.
0: <laughs> Casper, um, that's a very cool one. Uh, what is the last movie that you watched? It's not one of the ones we're going to talk about today. What oh,
1: um, did I watch recently? Um, I did recently watch Point Break, which I did tell you about. Yeah. Uh, the Bigelow's
0: version. Right. I'm so insulted when you thought I was talking about the replay. <laughs> well, yeah, like, it, it took me a second to think about why you would have watched the, the the 90s version, and then I remembered that they're doing that. They did, I think it's finished now, that big Catherine Bigelow retrospective at Lightbox. Yes. But I, I think I did. I just assumed that you were talking about the remake, which I, I watched. I well, you part knew of.
1: better than that. I, I you know. <laughs>
0: I, um, so so you got to see the awesomeness that is Point Break in a theater. Tell me, how was that?
1: Um, in fact, I actually didn't even see it in the Tick Bell Life Box. I wanted to see it. On the
0: oh, table. you watched sure. uh, it.
1: And I missed it because I promised a very dear friend of mine that I would be at their birthday, and it really was a tough decision. But I love my friend dearly, so I went, and we ended up renting Point Break and watching it at home after. I okay, so okay. I I wanted so desperately to see it on the big screen. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. But it might still. Never. Does it
0: hold up in your estimation? I had never seen it before. Okay, but that, nice. all the, all the yeah. more reason. Like I, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of these kind of '80s and '90s and now kind of early new century staples, people will go on about they're so awesome. Yes. And yes. then you show them to somebody for the first yes. time, and they you, you get a lot of this reaction of like, what are you going on about? Yeah. So, so but no, I'm getting that impression that you're, you you are still so love. It's so awesome.
1: You know what? I loved it. I all I could talk about for days is just, <laughs> right, too, I'm sure everyone. Absolute um, annoyer. but um, I just I loved it, and I loved it even more knowing who directed it, mm. and I found it extremely interesting watching it um, from the perspective of you know she went on to be the first um, woman to win Best Director, and really having that perspective. So if I were to have seen it when it originally came out, I don't know if I would have had the same perspective, but watching it now um, as you know as an adult and and. The history that she's had in her career um, since then brought a whole other perspective to it, and also I I definitely do think it holds up. It is very much of its time. Oh sure. Uh, So it holds up in the sense that it is one of those early early 90s I think late 80s early 90s movies and. You literally have FBI agents who are surfing and skydiving. This is a movie that could really only exist, I think, from that <laughs> period
0: of time. Um, but Maybe that's why the remake yeah, made no money. I, I, you know, because now it's just like, it, it just seems yeah. absurd.
1: Yeah. That is very Even though form. the
0: stunts are more extreme, mm-hmm. it just seems completely absurd. You
1: know what? I also never saw the remake. Um, Don't do it. Like, you know what? I really have no intention. Good, good call. <laughs> to yeah. (laughs) And how, I mean, how could I even watch the remake after watching a Kathryn Baino-directed original fight break? It's just not going to happen. And I love the whole mentality of, and sort of this Love between Bodie and Johnny Utah, and uh, in fact, I was very, very upset at the ending. Aww. <laughs> but I like I like movies that make me upset. So, oh, I know what yes. this
0: is I, I think I do actually need <laughs> to rewatch it. I it's been it's been a while. The last time I saw it, actually, they did they were doing a few years ago. They did a Keanu Reeves retrospective oh, okay. at the Lightbox, so yeah. I got to see it on the big screen. Oh, that was what wow. I thought. I I do I do hope that you get a chance to do that. Sometime, that must have been those, Yeah, those action scenes sense. are a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, what is one of the worst movies you've ever seen?
1: Um, it's funny. The first film that comes to mind is Hot Tub Time Machine. I would have to say it's probably the worst film I've ever seen. And I don't know why, it's just the first film that comes to mind when I think of that. And anytime people ask me, oh, what's the worst movie I've ever seen, it always is
0: the one that comes to mind. Right, right. Um, So one thing, you know, 180-something shows into this adventure of mine. I'm just noticing now that every time I ask somebody the worst film, I get that same expression that you just made. So I'm, I'm kind of I, I'm loving that I'm getting people to like kind of air out their yes their grievances. Yes, films. yes. <laughs> um, The one thing I will always love about Hot Tub Time Machine. Is the, it's the only thing I love about Hot Top Function? <laughs> is when I wrote about it, I got to save myself a few hundred words of writing when it came to describing the plot. Oh, because well, there you because go. Like my, my, the opening few paragraphs of what I write is usually summarizing what the film is about. And yeah. at that time I just said, see title, we're going to move on. <laughs> um, there
1: is one silver lining, I suppose, to the plot, yeah, and that's yeah,
0: it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did see it. Uh, it it's pretty dumb, yeah. it's got one or two good jokes. So why, 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 why so much venom
1: for I have a lot of venom for it. Um, honestly, I, I, I will concede that I am a tough critic when it comes to comedy. It really does take a lot to, to, to make me laugh. Uh, I don't know, I'm just a tough critic, I guess. But um, I just, yeah, I just found it really not juvenile, but sort of... what well, is it is. It sort of infantilizes, I feel like, oh, its yeah? audience. Um, which, I mean, lots of films do, but that one just particularly did not, did not sit well.
0: <laughs> you bring up an interesting point when you're talking about being hard on comedy, and I think, you know... Um, Horror as well as the same sort of thing when you're talking about the paranormal films sure. is that if you're not amused And you're not scared. It feels like a spectacular waste of time. It's like I'm here for you to do one thing
1: Yes, you know,
0: yes. and you're not doing it.
1: That's fair. So, That's very fair. Okay. Yeah. Hot
0: time. <laughs> um, What is a classic or essential film you have never seen? Uh,
1: there's there's so many but um, Which is quite quite a big shameful spot for me, but um, one that comes to mind is Lawrence of Arabia. That has
0: come up a lot lately. Has
1: it? Yeah. Okay. I've never seen that. Um, and it's it's definitely something that I, I should see and will eventually see. I think I am waiting for the moment to see it on a proper screen, um, but yeah, I've never seen it. Um,
0: how do you deal with long films?
1: I do well with long films. Okay. I, I'm, I'm a marathoner when it comes to films. I'm quite
0: okay with that. <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny. So um, yet another light box story. Uh, this past weekend, while it was beautiful out on Sunday, while it was glorious and sunny and, and, and wonderful outside, and people were you know playing games of soccer and biking and like you know we had a Caravana Festival going on in the city, I went to the light box and I sat down to watch Carlos, with okay, the, the, yeah. the the the, the uh, Canal Plus miniseries, which is yes. five and a half hours.
1: My gosh.
0: Oh um, my gosh. That takes the record as the longest. It had intermissions, but that takes the record as the longest in the screening. I'm willing to bet
1: you weren't the only one, though. No, no, there was like forty or fifty of us. I'm
0: yeah. sure you were not the only one that
1: chose to be indoors on such a. Day. Yeah,
0: yeah. I felt I felt a little bit better when I was amongst people. Um, but Lawrence of Arabia, I mean, we'll, we'll probably talk about this actually when we talk about our feature film, um, because time in movies feels so relative. Mm-hmm. And I'm always—it's one thing I'm always curious about with Lawrence, along with the fact that I always tell people. go for scale, Um, if you can see it on a big screen do so is how people handle the length because it's like four, it is four hours it's, it's a capital E it's a epic <laughs> yeah, but I mean and a lot of it is them wandering around the desert it's glorious it's stunning and when you remind yourself they went out to the desert and shot that shit yes. um, it becomes even more impressive but it's a long time either in the theater or at home on your couch it's a long time to be
1: in one place Yeah, no that's a fair point but I myself I do I do love films that are very elliptical and sort of um Meditative sort of film, so I do fare well with longer, lengthier films, and even as you said, films that may not be um, their their running time may not be quite long. In the case of even a ghost story, it's very short running time, but it feels like a lengthier film than the running time would have you be, <laughs> Just the, the sense of time in the film, um, uh, I think, is protracted and it, it, it's expanded and sort of um, ebbs and flows in a really interesting way. But um, I am I am excited to see Lawrence of Arabia. It's certainly <laughs> a a target that I have and I have to see it again on a proper screen I'm waiting for that perfect. Moment. I think what
0: I, I think what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna keep my eye on like the the you know the next time I see a screening I gotta kind of do like a roundup of the TIFF people yes. or like the TIFF people I gotta do a roundup of the guests that have been on this show and mention that and all the locals I gotta say okay it's happening this day let's go people I think that's and then maybe great. I'll just like I'll record a show afterwards go, oh,
1: all right Please. what do you think this sounds amazing
0: oh <laughs> uh, last but not least what is the film that for any rhyme or reason you wish you had made? oh um that's a
1: really good question I feel like there's been quite a few films like. that for me, um, as, as there are for any um, person that likes film and loves the, the process of making a film. But in terms of film, I wish that I had made it to like, um, yeah. There's one film that comes to mind, and I don't know if it's something I wish that I had made or I'm just so happy that somebody made it. Okay. was um, It's called Amasur by Catherine Brayon. Um, I have not uh, even heard of
0: this movie, so illuminate me.
1: Yes, yes, it's a very um, interesting film. It's, it's not the um, it's not I would say the most enjoyable film, That's but it's not meant to be enjoyed okay. and. Um,
0: how, how yes. when abouts did it come out? Um, uh,
1: oh, you know what? Um, Even it's the decade. so awful that I can't tell you the year, but I would say the 90s or 2000s okay. for sure. Okay, um, So it's modern. It's modern. Is uh, it in English? It is in French, okay. actually. It's in French. Okay. Um, it and what's should, it about? It shouldn't be too hard to come by with subtitles. Um, it actually follows the story of two sisters with their family as they're on summer vacation. And you really do follow the two sisters, um, mostly focused on the one sister, Interestingly enough, the film in English, the English title is actually Fat Girl. Oh, I know this one. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Right. Okay, to
0: okay, my okay. Now um, I know the one. So
1: it's you're a very about. big disconnect, and I find it absolutely hilarious um, and very telling that the English title is so different from the French title. Yeah. Um, but you do follow the sister who the English title sort of pokes at, um, and you follow her along. It is again very sort of I wouldn't say it's a slow moving film, but it is more of a reflective film. I think all these two sisters a very interesting point, uh, sort of a coming of age point in their life and they sort of discuss and reflect on their own sexuality and their identity and their family and sort of their, their power within their family. It really is, um, I think, a really poetic sort of uh, illustration of like the, the body and the lived experience, especially being um, from the perspective of this young preteen girl, which is such, I think, a tumultuous time in, in everyone's life, but particularly in this film, it's explored really interestingly, and sexuality is explored really interestingly. Okay. Um, so I don't know if I wish I had directed it. I'm just so happy that someone did direct it. <laughs> like, is, is it
0: is it something that when you saw, like, you know, like it spoke to you in a way?
1: Yes, obviously. absolutely, absolutely. Oh, and I should mention um, there is a bit of a twist ending. Okay. Um, which is very interesting, and if you do, I and I hope that you do get around to watching it. Or, I'm
0: I'm going to move it. It's yes. been on my to see list for a long, long, long time. When, um, and and I will see it soon. I will move it up. Absolutely.
1: You know, when you do, I would love to hear your thoughts on the progression of the film and how it reaches its ending. Okay. Um, and. In fact, like the final statements that are made in the ending of them, I'm really interested, a literary perspective, um, and even uh, from a gender perspective, I think that we'll have
0: very different perspectives on it. But um, I'm really interested to hear what you think. Very cool answer, backroll.
1: <laughs> I, I yeah, and sorry, what's <laughs> the French title? Uh, Amasur.
0: Amasur. I I am gonna move that up and see, watch that very soon. Yes. Uh, promise. <laughs> um, there we go. That's Julie Featherstone. Um, I I feel like I need to say your name even properly. It's I like I can't. You know I wouldn't. I, people call you Joe, right?
1: Oh gosh, I hate being called Joe. Really? I hate okay, being see, being No, I really won't do that. I was, gonna say, like, I was
0: already just going to say, I won't do that. Because how could I? See, no, I really won't.
1: This is my friends, because you just kind of sort of unconsciously knew not to call me Joe. I really dislike being called
0: Good. Yes. All right. <laughs> we are going to move on to the new slang. The new slang for episode 182 is a ghost story, coming up right after this. Opened up this little heart, unlocked the lock that kept it dark. Better morning mourning Saying I'm still mourning The ghosts of the ghosts Of the
1: ghosts of a ghost that burn my heart before I met you
0: Love it please Do not fall to your knees,
1: knees. It's not like
0: I, like I believe A Ghost Story is written and directed by David Lowry. It stars Rooney Mara and Casey Affleck, and that is the shortest introduction I have ever done in 182 episodes. Thank you for keeping this concise, Ghost Story people. It's about a late 20s, early 30s couple uh, in modern times, like their age, late 20s, early 30s. Um, we never really get their names, only ever know them as M and C. M is Rooney Mara, C, Casey Affleck. They live in a modest house in a small Texas town, and before we get to know them too well, C is killed in an auto collision. I After M identifies his body at the hospital, he gets up, covered by his sheet, and begins to move around as a ghost. At first, a portal to another dimension opens up for him, but the ghost of C decides to remain on Earth and see what the world will get up to after his demise. This leads C, now and forever covered by his sheet, to stand by and watch M mourn for him, but also to see what happens to the piece of land he calls home after she's done mourning. So ordinarily, I begin these conversations with some thematic question, something inspired by the plot or the position of the film. Today though, I wanted to back up a step and recognize that we are talking about a, this film at all on this show because it was your choice, Ms. Jolie, and quite an enthusiastic one too, which is rather intriguing in the middle of this blockbuster season, of superheroes and aliens and pirates and such. So, Pop Quiz Hotshot, yes. in this season of spy films and superheroes and aliens and such, what was it that drew you to this quiet little indie?
1: Um, aside from that just being so incredibly me, I <laughs> I I'm always really attracted to sort of really sharp films. Um, Quiet films. I I don't know. They just I'm, I'm endlessly fascinated and drawn and attracted to films like that, um, as opposed to the sort of louder, bigger, shinier, glossier. Um, Popcorn flicks, if, if we want to use that term. Although I'm certainly not opposed to seeing the big budget, you know, things exploding yeah, yeah. and uh, aliens come, come to Earth kind of films.
0: Well, but um, you skirted something. So, but you just said a lot aside from it being so very you. Mm-hmm. explain, What do you mean by so very you?
1: Just so very me in the sense that um, I, I I like films that are really reflective. I like films that you know have some sort of challenge to them and not that I would call when I did see Ghost Story didn't necessarily find it a challenging film but films that are really sort of human um, I, yeah I'm just endlessly attracted to uh, really human, uh, human stories and um,
0: Which is funny that we're talking about that goes. with a movie called Ghost Story Exactly! It's a very exactly. human story and it is even though <laughs> the ghost is the center of this story, but we'll get there. Um, To answer my own question, um, I don't know if I've talked about this on the show yet or not, but um, I'm becoming a bit of a sucker for one little thing, and it's a logo at the beginning of a movie. The studio A24, which has really only been on the scene for five or six years now, um, have very quickly and quietly built an incredible little roster of movies. Absolutely. Um, these, are, these are the people, for, for instance, who brought us Moonlight last year, so already they're on a win streak. Yeah. And their movies are always very strange. Um, I mean, like they are the people that brought us The Witch. Earlier this year they brought us It Comes at Night. Both of those movies are kind of a challenge. <laughs> um, you know, um, Under the skin is theirs, uh, American honey is theirs. And whether I love them or I hate them, or I just kinda like them in somewhere in between, I'm always left with something to think about. Absolutely. So they they do have some clunkers in there. Like don't get me wrong, like no studio is gonna bat a thousand. But right now they're kind of becoming that little Label that draws me in—it's—it's—it's it's, it's like you know, back in the back in the era of um, record labels being more about like cultivating talent. If you saw that a if you saw that an artist was on Interscope, you were automatically interested. Or you know, if they were on Columbia, you knew this. Or yeah. if they were on CBS, then you knew that. So that's the weird thing is that you know along with being drawn in, because I was drawn into it personally, but when I see that logo at the beginning, I'm like, oh, what do you got?
1: Absolutely, and it's really funny looking sort of at their um, their repertoire thus far. Just the films that you've mentioned have been some of my favorite films that I've seen in the last couple of years. Um, and, and films that I feel like I can't always discuss with other people, such as Under the Skin, which yeah. I, I it, again, I don't want to say I loved it, because it's not...
0: It's not that kind of movie, but you remember it, right? i was so drawn to it.
1: I really appreciated it. I think Mm. is a better word for it. I so appreciate that movie. And every chance I get, I try to talk to someone who's also seen it and discuss it. And really, um, that movie always stuck with me and and I think will for a long time. And of course, Moonlight, I mean... Like there are no you know. Yeah. Um, but you're absolutely right. They, they're definitely, um, they're the one to watch. Sure.
0: So now, of course, we've got a ghost story to add to that. And uh, and how did it work for you? You were, you know, like I imagine. Obviously, you liked it because you called you called the ball for this episode. <laughs> what would you think? I enjoyed it. I
1: really did. Um It. I, I walked into it intentionally, not reading too much about it, um, although I, I often am guilty of that reading as much as I possibly can before I see something. For this film, I, I intentionally did not read anything, I did not look at anything before I went in, so I wanted to leave myself completely open to the experience. And I personally really enjoyed it. And again, it is a very interesting film, I think. I think what I found interesting about it was the question of what um, do we sort of tether ourselves to, um, and what that whole question of tethering yourself to um, a person, or a place, or a feeling, or an experience, um, and how you carry that with you throughout, you know, different stages in your life, or in this case, his afterlife, yeah. um, and, and what really is home to us that for me was the really interesting question and it was just done in such a uh, a visually beautiful way i thought it was so just
0: it was hypnotic yeah it's it's a very very poetic movie Mm -hmm. you know It's, it's not really interested in going in a straight line from a to b although it really does that's the thing is for as abstract and and you know um meditative as this movie wants to get, it is still very, very linear. It jumps around that line at one point, but it is still a linear
1: Story, I, I would agree with you on that. I do, I, I felt that it was more linear than I thought it yeah. would be. Um, but I, I didn't mind that, in all honesty. I didn't mind it. Um, and uh, I thought it was executed well.
0: Yeah, this movie actually it, it kind of wrecked me. Um, Did it? To, yeah, I like you, I, I went into it, um, not knowing much, and I like I'd just seen that one trailer, uh, I think twice. Um, I I didn't really have it high on the priority scale. I wanted to see it, but if we weren't recording this show, I wouldn't have seen it when I did. Um, And I'm kind of an easy mark for these kinds of things right now, but I did not expect to be so engrossed when I was for my mind to go for all these different places as it did. Um, And and as I said, just to basically be emotionally just eviscerated by the time it was time to go Yeah. Um, and you know admittedly some of that is personal but I think that that is quite telling of a movie that it can just tell this compact little 91 minute story and really get to the heart of some very very personal feelings yeah, Absolutely. Um, this movie so we were talking earlier when we were talking about Lawrence of Arabia we are talking about time yes. And rel- and how it was relative. Um, this is a movie that really kind of plays with that. because It's not long. It's it's an hour and a half, mm-hmm. right? But there's times where it can feel really brisk, and times where it can feel deathly slow. Yes. How did that how that work out for you? Um,
1: personally, I think time was uh, sort of the shining star for me in this film, and, and how it was dealt with, how it was portrayed, and how it was just this really sort of um, manipulated within the film and i think the whole notion and, and almost feeling the texture of time um, stuck out to me during the scene again i'm sorry for spoilers but Go right uh, i'm going for it um during the scene when um see has returned to his home and he's waiting and you just have this This sense, you know, time is sort of lost for him because he's no longer a living, breathing physical, you know, entity anymore. But you do have this sort of sense of time has stopped. And when M comes home and begins to eat that pie, and she, that whole scene, to me, I thought was just so incredibly. It was grappling with energy like it was so electric and when she is on the ground eating that pie, to me that's when I really um, felt that sense of time being played with because she, we literally watch her eat almost the entire pie and you just get the sense of her grief in that moment but the way that time is played with it feels like it goes on so long. Yet it's wracking with energy, and I feel like it's it's present at every moment, every stage in that, in that
0: scene. It's funny because that was the moment that mm, I could tell people in my audience were getting restless. Mm. I could tell that there were people who did not want to watch Rooney Mara eat a pie <laughs> for literally five minutes. It yeah. is a long yes. time yeah. that she is just sitting there on a fixed shot, carving up this pie and eating it one. Time in that moment seems to stop. Mm-hmm. And that is very, very apt for this kind of movie because somebody like her, if she was grieving her husband, the time would just be gone. You know, she would lose all concept of hours and weeks and days. So, yeah, what did you do last night? Well, I took a pie and I sat down and I just started eating for seven minutes and yeah. I didn't stop until I got sick. Yeah. That is something I've never seen in a movie before. Yeah. Something nobody ever would think to put in a movie, because who wants to watch
1: that? It's it's a really good point, and in fact, just you mentioned that brings my mind to a a, comment, a DVD commentary that I watched on the film Signs. Mm. Um, again, not totally related to this film, but um, the director, Night Shyamalan, mentions at the end of the film, uh, well, towards the end of the film I should say, there's a scene where the family is gathered around the table, and they're all kind of going through this frustrating moment. Should we stay in this home because this is where our mother was? we're all going to die together if we want to be here, or, you know, he's trying to take the survival, logical, pragmatic approach that we should go to water because they might not put us there. And, and there's just so much tension, and he begins eating every off everyone's plate. He just dips his fork into his son's plate, his daughter's plate, and he's just eating voraciously. But he's starting to cry while yeah. he's eating, and I just specifically remember from that DVD commentary. And this probably makes me a total nerd. Right? No, because you know what?
0: I remember exactly what you, I thought I had made it up. I, I was thinking about it in this movie. Could finish the point for people who, have, who aren't nerds oh my God, like I love us. This moment. Okay, um,
1: but yes, Night Shannon sure does say like. I think he said it's so challenging and it was just beautiful witnessing an actor do that scene. Like, that frustration, that grief, that tension and crying while you're eating. And it was just, it was such an interesting scene to watch and it jumped into my mind during that scene with Rooney Mara.
0: Because in this scene, it's at a distance. You you can't really tell. Mm -hmm. And, but it, it, uh, because this this camera just stays locked off yes. and stays on her, it, as you watch, you start to kind of see her nose starting to go red, yeah. and you can eventually you can see the tears just falling. Yeah. She doesn't stop. She doesn't flinch. She doesn't move. She just keeps on eating. Yeah. It's an extraordinary scene for all involved and yeah and, and time just sort of seems to not exist in this moment yeah the other of course crazy thing is as the story moves along eventually C starts to move on mm-hmm. and our first impulse as an audience is Whoa shit that's quick yeah. but we forget that he you know now he's eternal yes and what for him feels like a minute for her has been months yeah. so when she brings home another man or when she starts going out more and more often and it's all just you know in, in movie time ten minutes after that scene of deep deep sorrow we're we're thrown off but we realize no for him that that would be the reality
1: exactly absolutely I mean at this point um, when M Brings home another man, you know. Again, it's it's so interesting uh, juxtaposed with the, the scenes of grief that it feels so sudden. But again, it, it really that's sort of the first I think telltale sort of sign or that nudge to the audience. You know, he does not exist within like a sort of time and space that we can recognize. This could have been months or years after, you know, the point that we believe it to be at. So it is a really interesting scene, and even when time is played with in more obvious ways later on, such as when we see him when sort of like the settlers are, you know, uh, working on the land, or when he's in that industrial building, it is played with in in much more obvious ways yet my mind always comes back to that scene of her eating the pie to me that was when time was most interestingly i think um portrayed yeah
0: and for like for you did this movie ever feel long
1: uh, no, it didn't. I mean, it, there were times when I would think to myself, this is this is only an hour and a half long film and yet it feels so much more um, robust than that. Yeah, more robust it may not be the right word, but it, it just, it did... risk um, No, it's, uh, yeah, it just felt more like, not lengthy, but... They're just, yeah, they're more robust, I think, I'll, I'll leave it at that, but um, it just, it felt more robust than, saying an hour and a half long film, and even though I was I was mentally conscious of that while I was watching, at no point did I feel um, like I was trudging along. No. I, I, I felt like it was very, um, it kept you, or at least in, in my, my experience, it can be very present throughout the entire story. Um, but to your point that you felt there were some people in the audience during the cake uh, or the pie-eating scene there were definitely people in my screening who they were wrestling, they were sort of like muttering under their breath to their <laughs> partner and I'm there completely engrossed in the film and I did see that some people maybe experienced that, that's, that sense of timing a bit differently than I did.
0: It's, it's funny <laughs> because on the one hand like I want to tell people Go into a dark room, put your phone away, yes. just let this movie wash over you for it's ninety the minutes. Best way to see it. On the other hand, I know not a lot of a lot of people one just they won't get straight up won't get the chance because mm-hmm. this is the kind yes. of movie that doesn't play in a lot of markets. Yeah. But two, you know, time is precious and money is precious, and it's like. You know, I, I really want you to go watch this movie, <laughs> but I know that you're going to go watch Wonder Woman again. Um, and and, there's, and nothing think, no, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. No, there's nothing wrong with that. But I mean, I, I, I do know that a lot of people will get the chance to watch this at home. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if you can get up and move around and if you've got space around you, it's it's going to lose your focus yeah there's, um, th-
1: there's going to be a value I think that might sort of seep away a little bit if you don't really consciously make the decision to you know be in a darkened space be in a comfortable space also I think is really important um, and just watch it quietly try to avoid having any distractions and really allow this film to sort of seep into you because it really is like you said it's a very poetic film it's a very beautiful film it feels very human to me, and I think that when you allow yourself, if you can, of course it's not realistic for everyone, but allow yourself to, to experience it in that way, it, you'll really resonate with the film in a more powerful sense.
0: Um, so, you know, when they say it's a ghost story, they literally mean it's a ghost story. <laughs> and, and, you know, we, we haven't really touched on this, but, you know, we're talking about a sheet with two holes. We're yes. talking about like a grade one Halloween costume <laughs> of a ghost, which is kind of absurd. To be honest. But the cool thing about the absurdity is I really thought that actually allowed us to stay with it. Absolutely. Because as much as I really do love the movies of Terrence Malick and people just wandering around and coming to grips with their place in the universe. We get a lot of that. We get a lot of people just wandering the wilderness. To see this ghost, you know, not a spirit, not, not somebody who looks like normal but is a little bit made up, to see a sheet with two holes. A little ghost costume, really. Yeah, I, I really <laughs> felt that that is what helps mo- this movie keep
1: us. I think that's a fantastic point. And, and, and to your point, I also did think a lot of uh, Terrence Malik while I was watching it, but I think that. That whole sort of absurdist element really does keep you present um, throughout the film, and it keeps it grounded. I probably keeps you probably keeps you
0: present in its hardest moments because yeah. this can get really tough. Like I, a lot of people who have read what I wrote about it mm-hmm. are like, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're, they're they're like, no, I I, I can't. Be that upset for that long, and I'm thinking the only thing that was keeping me with it was watching this, (laughs) you know, Charlie Brown ghost Ghost. wandering around. Um,
1: No, that's that's a phenomenal point. I I don't know if I gave enough credit to the idea of the sort of absurdity and sort of like the child um, like wonder of having this person represented by this ghost costume, Um, and yeah, throughout the entire time you're sort of, or maybe it was just me, but i was sort of wondering, this uh, this character, uh, character who, as you said, we didn't really get to know them no. too, um, too deeply at the beginning of the film before they pass away and they sort of assume this ghost uh, presence, I wonder how much of that we sort of imprint on ourselves because it is such a bland ghost costume and I think that everyone will experience yes. it in a very personal uh, way and I think that... That ghost costume does make it such a personal, human film because it is so easy to imprint yourself and to imprint your own um, sort of uh, emotional coding on that character.
0: It leads to you know, without giving something away, it does lead to a, a lovely little visual um, that's repeated twice in this movie when when a ghost kind of learns a, a key piece of information, mm-hmm. and I think without that. I I think that visual is actually rather apt. We've seen it in several movies, of course, over the years, revolving around ghosts, Mm -hmm. but I think the way it's played here it's actually, it's, it's actually rather beautiful and, and I do appreciate it. Was there, you know, I've been talking a lot, was there anything about the movie that really jumped out for you that you wanted to, to bring
1: up? I, mean, I think for me what jumped out to me the most really was the mentality of him being tethered to space as opposed to a person because mm-hmm. I feel a lot of films that talk about afterlife and um, a lot of films that deal with afterlife I feel they always sort of talk about our, our sort of existence of being tethered to another person. And this in this film he doesn't he doesn't follow out. No. He doesn't leave that home. He stays in that space. And I thought that was a really interesting idea that he's so tethered to a space as opposed to a person. Um, and even though he's tethered to a space, he's completely untethered in time. So he experiences this space in so many different um, in time, and I thought that was really interesting. I wondered um, what the the mentality was there in terms of tethering a, a human and, and their existence to a space. It's
0: it's interesting because he does talk about how that house feels like it has history, mm-hmm. and you know, inevitably he become kind of comes part of that. Yes. Um, like that that can be one one thing I think that the film is trying to say. The way that we just get, we ourselves get attached Mm -hmm. to places. I mean, you know, I'm almost 40 years old. I've lived in Toronto all my life. I might die here. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that's not the worst thing, but I am attached to this, you know, one point on the map. Mm -hmm. There are people who never leave a small town or never leave a street and they become attached to that. And we don't, we don't think about that. Like we think about how we grieve the people that leave. Mm -hmm. We don't necessarily think about how they might us when we're gone absolutely. from that space.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I think that might be what you what what drew you in. So much.
1: yeah, I definitely think um, that that's a very very valid point. I guess for me, I think in film, or at least the films that I that immediately come to mind when I think of dealing with afterlife, there's so much of this conversation about you know a home being a person, um, whether that be a family member or your spouse or whoever it is, but. Um, just found it really interesting that he was so tethered to the space um, and it seemed it was interesting to me because they bring up this notion of attachment to a space um, and history and so the emotional imprint of a space but it almost it's so interesting to me that he left the hospital and walked it seems like it could have been miles and miles yeah. to this home um, see, We would assume to see M and to be close to M, and yet when she leaves, he doesn't follow. And I wondered, is this? Can can he not follow? Is he now sort of? tethered to the space or is he choosing not to? Does he not feel I don't know. Like I mean,
0: the that's the whole thing do. about, you know, ghosts being present in a house that you move into, right? It's like, it has nothing to do with you. Yeah. It has everything to do with, you know, how they were affected by that structure or even something that used to be on that structure. Absolutely. And it's, it's kind of this really elegant way of, you know, playing on that little that little trope. Um, this film looks really interesting as well. Um, so it's square. It's one three three to one ratio. It's kind of faded. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, not. Absolutely. It's it, it's you know it's lush, but it's not really really vibrant. Yeah. Nice. And it's got these rounded corners, almost like an old photograph.
1: Yes, it's very muted in a way. Um, but absolutely, I think. A- just describing the aesthetic of this old, sort of faded photograph, you know, some, from some beloved family album. I think that's the perfect way to describe it. Even the home itself. Um, I was noticing the appliances and the furniture. They they, they feel like they're from the 70s, perhaps. Um, so there is an interesting notion. Again,
0: they're not energy efficient in <laughs> any way. They're all
1: not at all. They're huge. <laughs> and again, I, I like that that word history that you mentioned. And and coming back to his point of not wanting when he is alive and we see these scenes where he doesn't want to leave the house and M does want to leave, they want to move elsewhere, and he just seems so um, adamant to sticking with this house because there's this sense of history that doesn't seem that he even can elaborate on or doesn't want to when she's just trying to pull these words out of him, Um, but that sense of history, and again, it ties back into the notion of time because the sense of history at the end, when we're sort of revolving back and see in his afterlife as a ghost, witnesses his um, sort of physical self and and moving into the house. Um, it's interesting because you get a sense that in some way, or maybe maybe I'm just being hopeful, but in some way you feel that C feels that presence and he feels that. Um, just entity within the house and my, I think that plays a huge part in why he felt that there, that there was a reason to stay there and there yeah. was a history there and then of course when he eventually does say okay you know what we can move and you just feel that sense of loss almost on, on see he has a ghost hard well and then just, of
0: course the irony is the moment he lets go is the moment that he is now attached because just after he says alright let's go he dies the next morning and now he's out he's definitely in that space exactly right? so this exactly. is neat little irony see I love things that. was um was this film ever too much or too upsetting or too affecting for you no any no. moment any scene no
1: not at all and I I hope that doesn't make it sound
0: like I was like no, no 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 it's <laughs> no because you know everybody approaches film differently right? like I know people who were I know people who were blubbering at the end of Harry Potter I know people who were blubbering at the end of uh, you know like a movie like this and there's and it's all just how these movies affect you yeah, um, absolutely. no it, this, that's that was the one thing for me and, and it could just kind of be like where I'm at but at the same time I just i I was just really really rocked mm-hmm. by the idea of we, the living, are get, we, we get to finish with our mourning yeah. and move on, but the people we are mourning maybe don't. Yes. Uh, like I had never once considered that for even a second, and that just really messed me up.
1: I think that's a, a fantastic point. and I think that where you are in life, I, I think will have a huge impact. Again, when we talk about watching this film in um, a very comfortable and sort of... Um, Sort of darkened, um, comfortable, quiet space. I think it really did, I, I even suggest that too as someone, I didn't end up crying at the end of this film, but I, I wouldn't it's say I did Heartless
0: bitch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I really, but the thing is, I didn't cry, but I, but I did have an emotional response to the film. Um, but yes, I, I know I sound totally <laughs> heartless. Um, but no, I I, I, I myself would recommend people seeing it in a very comfortable, quiet, and darkened space because I think it is a very reflective film. I think it is a very introspective film. And I think because it is so um, imprinting or sort of um, allowing ourselves to kind of occupy um, this just the representation of sea as it goes. I think it's so fluid and it's so easy to do. I do think that it is an incredibly human and an incredibly emotional film. So I think it is best to see it when you feel like you're in a comfortable and kind of safe and quiet environment. Um, and although I didn't cry at the end because I'm absolutely heartless um, <laughs> I, I had a wonderful emotional reaction. I actually felt a huge sense of happiness, happiness. like
0: it does have a joyous yeah. ending right? yeah. you know without giving anything away it does have a, it does end on an uplifting note yeah. it just depends on kind of how much you're still carrying at that point the, 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 you know the ultimate point of the movie is to try to let go mm-hmm. including let go of the last 90 minutes. Mm-hmm that is kind of going to be how it all plays. I had trouble letting go. I, I, I held on for like much of the weekend and had to go watch six hours of Carlos to really let go. I may or may not have been crying on the subway, but uh, uh, I'll leave that to me and everybody else who was online. Watch. It stayed with me. I will um, say that though.
1: It, it, it's still on my mind and I, I actually want to see it again because it, is, it's, it stayed with me. It left, a, it left an imprint. And, but for me, I think it was it was emotional, but it was very joyous really, that
0: I thought. So we end every review here at the Matt Cast with a souvenir, or something tangible or intangible. <laughs> if you can take away from this movie, uh, Jolie Featherstone, what would be your souvenir A Ghost Story?
1: Um, I okay. There's two that come to mind. Okay. One hundred percent. I want the sheet. I want the ghost <laughs> sheet. I want that ghost costume. Right. There's something so. victorious about that ghost costume. I don't know um, if that was something that everyone felt with it, but the ghost sheet costume that he wears, the, every scene you see, again, the, the it's just so visually gorgeous. But every scene that you see, it's draped so beautifully. It yeah. literally looks like a Victorian romantic um, costume. But it is in fact a hospital sheet with yeah. two eyes cut out. Yeah. Um, so it's 100% the But I also was thinking of the notes that behind. leaves behind. I would I think the note is so enigmatic and it's so it just makes me so happy to think of that note, even though she left it probably in one of the darkest moments of her life. Mm-hmm. We have no idea what she wrote. We all we know is that she was obviously in an extremely dark place when she left that home and you know was leaving a place where she experienced a huge amount of loss and leaves this note, as she says previously to the film, she left a note in every home that she lived in leave a piece of herself there and always kind of hold space for herself there, um, even though she never returns. Right. Um, that note is so, it just makes me, it gives me faith thinking about that note. It gives me hope um, in just her love for C and her bond with him, but also the fact that she left this note to stay in this place forever, and yet C himself is also sort of stuck in this place. Yeah. Um, Trying to get the note trying to get the note. I mean, I just love those scenes of him scratching away trying to get to this note. And it's so funny because every time he's scratching away, something inevitably distracts him. And I'm always like, dude, you've just, been here for hundreds
0: yeah, of just years. Just ignore that. Yeah, you'll be fine. <laughs> like, you've been here for hundreds of years, just keep
1: scratching away and get that note.
0: It's funny that you mentioned, you know, the, the souvenir <laughs> wanting the note. I, I actually found that my souvenir uh, of where the note was concerned was I kind of found myself that I now want to leave notes. Mm, um, so yeah. that, that was kind of one of those things. But the I other thing, that, the involved other involved thing that I was involved. left with it is something I will eventually be able to get. Um, But at one point, um, M knocks over, like M as the ghost knocks over a bunch of books and one of them falls open and she actually like reads the passage. So, I mean, like you're tapping on my nerdy little nerve, but it happened so quick that I didn't catch what it was. I was able to very quickly kind of skim the lines. So... I'm gonna have to come back to this movie and like do a pause and do a Google and read this book because I'm sure you know there's no accidents when it comes to something like Absolutely that. Absolutely not.
1: Uh, and I feel the same way. I when that book fell, also like yourself, I'm a bookworm. And when it fell, I was just sort of feverishly reading every word I could take in while this while it was being featured. And I kept thinking to myself, okay, the next cut, they're gonna they're gonna show the title. No, 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 no the director no, they never doesn't do. give you that. And I kind of love that he doesn't give you that, but I still do want to know. I,
0: I was gonna say, Google Google will be my
1: but the thing when I, again, coming back to the whole souvenir of the note, um, I, while I was watching the film, I had this feeling of, you know what, that's something I'd like to take away from this film, or that's something that, that is such an enigma to me. But when we reached the ending, I was so happy that the note is sort of never revealed to us.
0: Uh, so here's a little bit of trivia nobody actually knows so what director david lowry told rooney mara to do is write something write something personal write something poetic that you can come to mind write it down fold it up and shove it in that little crack um and so she did and she s- stuffed it in there. They knocked down the house. She has completely forgot what she wrote. So she forgot. Nobody else saw it, including you know when they opened it up. They just opened up a blank page, and they destroyed the house. So it's gone. It's Nobody knows what she actually wrote. And there's no. This is not like like Lost in Translation, where you can just really listen close and play. no, you don't even see what she's writing. That that piece of, of you know that that. Poem that prayer is gone.
1: It's so funny because I find it really hard to believe that she doesn't remember what she wrote on there. But I mean, it's fair. But you know, you may, you, you may really not. But I just I you don't know. I find it really interesting that that she, i don't know uh, again it's such an enigma to me still and, but i'm so i'm so happy that whether she she forgets or whether she's choosing to forget i'm so happy that she's not revealing it i think she actually forgot yeah like i you
0: know i think, I think it was long enough ago that she actually did <laughs> but you know, and i mean it would like doing a movie like this it would be really really intense mm-hmm. it's entirely possible that just, it just it got buried
1: i just find it so interesting i feel like what she wrote on that note, would be I'm just so fascinated (laughs) but at the end of the day I thought about that in the theater I was like oh that not such an enigma but but I I was happy that it was so um um sort of evanescent in a way you know it was there and then it wasn't and and he's sort of moved on
0: all we need like all we need (laughs) to know is that it is something of of comfort that it is something to say I was here yeah
1: yeah
0: yeah, it's you know uh, we rate here on the Matt cast on a scale of one to four stars. I think people could probably tell where we're going with this. <laughs> Julie Featherstone, what do you give a ghost story on a scale of one to four? I
1: think I would give it a, a three. I think three up four, yeah. Wait, wait
0: well, hold on. <laughs> You've been like waxing about this movie for about an hour.
1: There's no way. it. Where,
0: where did it lose a star from you? You know
1: what? I Maybe I'm just being a tougher critic um, than I normally am. I don't know. I think that it, it definitely i I've loved it it's it's a film that I think is so incredibly beautiful and it's so poetic um, I think for me again i it's one of those films that i i think of from i don't know I have a lot of love for it I have a very emotional love for it that i have, i feel almost responsible to give it a 3 and a 4 star because I don't think I've had enough time to approach it from a more critical, analytic standpoint.
0: okay. I am going to give it a 4 just because (laughs) I've I've said, like, there are some times where I think with my head and sometimes where I think with my heart, Mm -hmm. and this was one where I was totally thinking more with my heart. Yeah, If you can make me cry, that's usually a sign that you're getting a really good reaction out of me. Um, And... Mm -hmm. Just you know where it kind of fell in the landscape and where it took me. This was this is one of the movies I will be talking about again at the end of the year. Um, I can appreciate how somebody would want to kind of ramp up to it. Like a lot of my favorite movies from the last five, six years are ones that initially I was like, there's something missing. Mm-hmm. And it was just time. It was just time for it to settle. So I do get it in that respect. I, I don't okay. entirely believe you, but I do <laughs> Honestly, I do see it is one of those films. I think that I think
1: that's a great way to put it. That it will settle. I think that it's I, I just saw it so recently that I so, for me, I still feel sort of in the emotional throes of this film okay. that I want to allow myself more time to bring more, I guess, critical eye to it. But honestly, Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't even bring a line to it. It's just such
0: a wonderful film. You know? <laughs> maybe we're wrong. Maybe you think that this is a terrible movie <laughs> no. and that we're both just drunk idiots. Uh, let me know. Ryan at The Matinee.ca Twitter, where I'm matinee underscore CA. Facebook.com slash matinee. What do you think of David Lowry's The Ghost Story? We're going to plow right into the other side because we're going to do one of those kind of mishmashy versions where we talk about a whole bunch of movies all at once. And this is kind of a weird movie to try and Pair up. To be honest, like if I was trying to double feature this thing, I would have a really, really, really hard time. Um, But one of the movies that jumped to my mind initially is from nineteen ninety or so um, by Anthony Minghella. It's a comedy, actually, um, called Truly Madly Deeply. Okay. Yes. With Alan Rickman and a. Gloriously talented British actress whose name I cannot remember, but she's got one of those faces. She's done so much stuff, um, and I feel so very, very awful that I can't think Should of I it. Be um, <laughs> is that cheating? Nah, it is. But the idea in this movie is that um, she is she is grieving the loss of her partner, and, and it was one of these movies where, kind of like you know Rooney Mara with her pie, where grief is. Very, very visceral, like very messy. Not, you know, Jackie O under her veil, being the stately, you know, look of of composure in times of great peril. But just messy, messy cry. You know, we've all we've all had a messy cry, oh, absolutely. And, and that it comes up in this movie, and it turns into a comedy because her partner comes back in a spiritual form and keeps her company for a while. But we start off with her just being just so distraught. And I guess for me, the, the, you know, thinking of this movie where we watch basically a ghost grief yes. and watch Rooney Mara grieve, it was kind of cool to think about a movie where mm-hmm. the grief was kind of channeled into something very, very joyous. Yeah,
1: no, Have absolutely. Have you ever seen this one? You know what? It's actually, I am not lying in or not showing it in any way, it is on my list to see. Okay. Um, because I've just, I've only ever heard great right things about this film. and I. I'm just so drawn to it. I really do want to see it. So I haven't seen it myself. I know vaguely the premise of it, and, and you've done an excellent job of um, adding that perspective in. But I think. They understand, you know, in terms of theme,
0: why you pair them up for sure, for sure. I mean, and like, it's, it's got a lot of like joyous music in it. They're mm-hmm. both musicians, um, one of them plays the piano, one of them plays the cello, which
1: is interesting because C is also a musician, yeah.
0: It? So, I think that was that was probably in my brain somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> what did you come up with when you when I, I, I
1: again? This was kind of a task, so
0: what? It's... you know, you're a champ for even trying this. <laughs> it's hilarious
1: because normally I'm one of those people that, um, someone will always ask me, Oh, well. If I like this, what else will I like? And I can generally kind of find a good sort of double feature to get them. And this, I will have to say, was a bit of a challenge. Um, initially, my mind was like, "Oh, should I just give people the most messed up double feature ever and put Ghost with a Ghost Story, <laughs> um, which I think would be absolutely hilarious?" Um, again, ch- Ghost. I I, I I haven't seen the uh, um, film that you were discussing, but. I understand that it is a bit more, and I could be totally wrong on this, but I understand it's a bit more comedic, whereas I feel Ghost, although it is a fun blockbuster film, it it is a bit dark at times, and it is a bit, you do get a sense of danger at at times, um, so I think that again, channeling it into a joyous um, sort of atmosphere is a really interesting thing, Um, Ghost being a blockbuster is a really interesting thing something like Ghost with a Ghost Story, I think would be such a strange and trippy (laughs) double feature. But I would have to say there was a film that kept coming to my mind while I was watching Ghost Story, and I sort of kept pushing it away, because I'm like, I don't know why I'm thinking about this film, but it would always kind of wriggle its way back into my mind, and it's actually a Terrence Malick film. Tree of life kept coming to me when yeah. I was watching a ghost story. And although I think that the ghost story is leagues more accessible than the tree of life, there's just something about the sense of loss and the sense of grief and family, and again I I'm using the term family in in maybe not a, a in a totally obvious or literal way. Um, but Tree of Life just kept coming to me when I was watching The Ghost Story, and the, the really beautiful outdoorsy shots, and, and just the movement through space. Some of my favorite scenes in Tree of Life are the scenes where um, just Justine is the mother, and the kids are playing outside yeah. home, um, in the front yard, and the, just the greenery and like the lush trees, um, that always stuck with me. I love those scenes from that film. And I, that, those scenes kept coming into my head when I was watching The Ghost Story because I do think there is this really... Um, both I think directors are really going at yeah, this sort of personal but also profound look at Time and afterlife and and family as well too and tree life just kept kind of coming back to me while watching this film. Obviously, I think aesthetically, maybe not a hundred percent similar, but no. they're both really visually beautiful. Um, there's really sort of like long, um, sort of luxurious scenes in both. Um, we both have these very both feature really like galaxy space yeah. shots,
0: which is interesting. It's funny. I, I, part of me actually thinks that you might have just scared a lot of people off a ghost story because <laughs> I know, I know I a lot know. of people who hate Tree of Life. I, I am not one of them. I adore <laughs> Tree of Life. That good. That's one that I. Can, that's one that. That's one that I can put on for kicks. It's like something like you know. Can I find a Marvel movie? I was like, eh. not on Tree of Life. That's,
1: know, that's
0: actually hilarious. Uh, yes, I love that. Um, and I, I think. One of the one of the reasons why you're probably thinking of both is they both play with that idea of relativity of a life in the grand scheme yeah. of time. Right? Like, Ghost story actually plays with it on a on a much shorter timeline. Like they of play course. with it on a few hundred years. <laughs> Tree of Life gets us going in terms of like millennia. Yes. Um, but I, I do I do see that like this. Lowry, if we if we put aside Pete's Dragon, yes. <laughs> Lowry with and Body Saints and uh, and this story, and this movie is very Malik inspired. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he's trying to be him. He's not trying to copy him. That's yeah. the cool thing. Like yeah, you can yeah. see the influence, but he's yeah. not trying to rip Malik off. I do want to go back to Ghost though, because yes. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't really think about it. I thought about it, but I just kind of dismissed it. Yes. <laughs> and I wonder, actually, you know, we mentioned earlier with another. Patrick Swayze movie off the top of the show of how it plays now. I would be curious how Ghost plays to somebody who only knows it in concept because yeah. I think what most people know about Ghost is Unchained Melody and the Party. party. <laughs> you know, they don't know about... That I, again, that I, it's it's not played as as quite as personally as it's played in a ghost no, story. Absolutely. But it does really, really hang itself on the grief of both sides, on the oh, griefs of so Demi Moore and Patrick
1: Swayze, in yeah.
0: trying to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I seem to remember Demi Moore actually in this movie a lot was was really really fraught. Yes, um, she was.
1: There's a lot of emotional scenes, and kind of like you said, it's, it's not the Jackie sort of um, you know got to put on this face and be sort of strong. Um, Facade, you know, she does go through scenes of just very unfiltered sadness, unfiltered grief, and anger. And what I find really interesting about the two again, extremely different films that are done very differently, but the whole notion of Patrick Sweezy's character and C's character in a ghost story both seem or at least they're portrayed at the beginning as a bit detached from their relationships. It always seems like um Jimmy Moore and Rooney Mar's character they're always kind of let's talk about our relationship, let's talk about this. Rooney Mar like forward. you know, they're they're in bed and Rudy Mar is the one who's kinda of like kissing him, kinda of touching him. Yeah.
0: It goes nowhere. It's lovely. It's, it goes yeah, nowhere. It's a um story. But it's it's just that kind of thing of you know you're in bed and maybe she's just trying to show affection maybe she's actually trying to coax them into sex we don't know but it's a it it's like this is not that far detached from the person who says I love you and hears ditto yeah
1: you know exactly. they
0: they're, they're these 100%. I feel like if these women got together for drinks they'd have a lot to talk about <laughs>
1: exactly exactly and that's what I when I started sort of seeing, you know, such a weird combo, but maybe not quite as weird as I initially thought, because, you know, both men seem sort of um, detached from their relationships and it may just be sort of that they're fully invested, they're maybe not able to express that, but both women are so invested and sort of um, visibly, outwardly, expressive about their relationship and their affection for that person, and again, ditto. Or in this case, C, being just totally unwilling to talk about moving, and you know, being a bit more sort of detached, and pretty Martin saying, "Don't you want to talk about this," and him and just sort of blatantly sort of seem a bit detached. But then, you know, both of the male leads pass away, and it's sort of when they're forced to, I think, mean, witness what they've lost and they're they're really drawn to their homes and they're drawn to the they're in relationships with, and they really tether themselves to that, and. Um, Certainly, Patrick Swayze. It becomes goes becomes a bit of an action movie, and he tries to protect Demi Moore.
0: There's that, and I mean, in each case, it's it's crazy to see how each movie plays with sudden departure, because mm-hmm. exactly. you, know, you know, it's a, it's a whole different. Animal when it comes to loss and there's all there you know there's unfinished business there's there's shock and it's like no 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 I I, I had shit to do I, yeah. I wanted to tell her about this and I wanted to talk about this and, and like you said it kind of turns ghost turns into this weird little action thing <laughs> where she's more in danger mm-hmm. and he's now also trying to protect her yes. which I think is also the, the, you know it's it's the other thing of if a husband goes there's this protective nature that's just severed. It's like, well, wait a second. Who's going to protect her now?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a little
0: it, machismo and whatnot, but it's it, it's in there.
1: Yeah, I mean, it could be that for me, my mentality towards it was more, um, again, very of its time. You know, being of the eighties, how do we depict um, masculine love? And it just seemed that inevitably, oh, we can't depict masculine love in a, a quiet or an emotional way. We have he has to express his love and his, you know. Um, his, his centeredness in her by protecting her from this evil villain, whereas a ghost story does not go that route whatsoever, and it really does depict, um, you know, masculine love in a very different way. I sort of feel cautious about saying masculine love in a ghost story because, again, C is underneath this ghost sheet. There's never really a depiction of the person's body under there. We don't know what really
0: is under there. I was going to say, that must be like the easiest money that Casey Affleck has ever made. <laughs> I kind of was wondering,
1: was he actually the one under the sheet? But, um, um, the, the physical um, the physical nature of that acting, I do think was really well done. Yep. I, I really appreciated that. The movement, the posture, I think just so... Never once did you ever question what ghost was thinking or feeling. He yeah, never questioned that. It, it which is a time
0: hard time. trick to pull. Out, out of something that's Through you know
1: posture. Yeah,
0: yeah a, walk, a walking garment. <laughs>
1: um,
0: there is one other one that kind of um, creeped in there for me, and we're not going to talk about it too too long because it's one that we actually talked about on this show uh, this year. Um, is that this kind of wanted to bring me back a little bit to personal shopper?
1: Oh, okay. Again, With, another one on my list. Okay. I haven't seen it. <laughs> because
0: it's another one that talks about somebody gone too soon, about somebody who feels, you know, in, in that movie, um, Kristen Stewart feels like she has this connection to the other side. She's not sure what she sees. She doesn't know. And this whole idea of a presence and a presence watching over you and being there, and it allows, it kind of allows, it stays in that moment. The, what I love about the ghost story is that it moves on. Mm-hmm. The The way this film was sold Really makes it feel like we're gonna stick with CNN the whole time. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, C is gone pretty quick. Do you uh,
1: mean M? Sorry, M is yeah. gone pretty quick. Yeah, like, M is, is
0: gone is by about the halfway point of this yeah. movie, leaving C to kind of wander alone on his Which own.
1: Which I thought was really interesting. That was, to me, that was a bit of a surprise. And I really liked that. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting.
0: Whereas in Personal Shopper, it's all about the relationship between mm-hmm. Kristen Stewart and her brother. Like, she's doing other, like, she's relating to the people in her life, but she's always got this kind of nagging feeling that her brother is really right here. And she can't move on, mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of. This- it's been an interesting year for, for films about like the paranormal. Absolutely, um,
1: so I just need to revisit my career being a paranormal investigator, obviously, and,
0: and taking your postgrad. <laughs> um, I I mean, I guess what we're saying is this this film is it really it it can take you in a lot of different directions, and I'm sure there are other movies that we're not thinking about. You know, you mentioned the Terrence Malick. Um, I even also thought kind of about Blue Valentine yeah? in the way okay.
1: uh, that you know you know that never came across to me, but I could see why. These
0: kind of broken moments as grown-ups yes. that we want to try and fix and yeah. God am I guilty of that but you just can't and mm-hmm. if you really want to but you can't you know those kinds of movies Absolutely.
1: and the whole sense of letting go you know yeah. moving on giving yeah, right. giving yourself freedom and giving the other person freedom as well um, that's a really interesting point it's really funny because I was just talking about Blue Valentine the other day um, but it never came across as, as
0: one does on a regular Monday <laughs> I know right I'm, yeah, I'm
1: really that's... weird <laughs> but which um,
0: is <laughs> Hey, Jelly Eyes, watch Blue Valentine. so yeah, let's talk about that.
1: I actually have to say, when I watched Blue Valentine, I um, told my roommate at the time, oh yeah, there's a movie called Blue Valentine. It stars Ryan Gosling. Do you want to watch it? Because I knew if I told her it was actually about, she wouldn't want to watch oh, it. God. And she watched it with me, with her friend, who I did not know she was going to invite. Oh wow. That
0: is there awesome. is a lovely thunderstorm <laughs> happening outside here, people.
1: It's kind of my aesthetic episode, so I'm
0: really it's very, It's very apt for this <laughs> it, episode.
1: It really is. But yeah, she invited her friend over. It was like a Saturday night. I'm sure they thought they were in for some like, fun, you know, Ryan Gosling action movie or something. Some
0: notebook sequel. Or, yeah, or a yeah.
1: romantic. Film. Nope. No, we watching Blue Valentine, and the look of horror on their faces. I'm, I'm so engrossed. I'm watching the film. I'm loving every second of this, and I'm just, oh, I'm just taking it all in. And I look over, it. so we to look over, I look over, and they're both just like, like their eyes are wide, their mouths are like, their jaws are on the floor, and they're just like.
0: <laughs> Their faces
1: were pale. I was just like I, sorry.
0: <laughs> I got I got home from a screening of that movie by myself oh, no. and I walked in, I looked at my wife, I was like, are we okay? She's like, Oh uh, hell, what did you watch? It's like every time you watch something existential or you like, she's like, You always we're fine, we're fine, go to bed. The we're funny fine. thing is I think as a Cinephile the
1: or film lovers however you want, if you have an issue with that word, but um, I'm just loving this film. Um, it's awesome. I really hope
0: the audio picks that up. <laughs> me
1: too. Um, I think that, yeah, I, I can totally relate to that. I actually had a previous significant other see me after I watched A Star is Born starring Judy Garland. Right. And I, that ending of that film, I think for me, like that ending wrecked me. And I didn't necessarily think that it would. Um, but I was so oh my god I was crying and I go out and I see them and they're just like oh what did you watch and I I was like oh I can't even talk about it they're like oh yeah movie
0: mood Uh, lots of good stuff lots of good stuff that is episode 182 of the matinee cast come on back on Monday August 21st for episode 183 we're coming back on short rest we're going to talk about Lucky Logan Steven Soderbergh's return Um, I want to thank Jodie Featherstone for being here thank you so much for coming coming out on a very rainy night all of a sudden it was glorious when you walked in yeah um and I, like can, can people start reading your writing sometime soon is yes that the oh future? my gosh
1: i really this this podcast is just a huge kick in the butt to um you know carve up more time for writing and now as i mentioned now that i've done my post-grad, I can hopefully devote more time to that, but this is a huge motivation to get back into writing, and um, I'm definitely
0: going to and out more time. If people, in the meantime, if people want to find you on Twitter, where can they find you? They can
1: find me at um, so pretty easy to find.
0: Cool. <laughs> to, yeah. My site, of course, is thematinee.ca. For more audio content, you can find back episodes by going yeah. to thematinee.ca slash podcasting. You can also find them on Blueberry, Stitcher Radio, Apple's podcast app, and the iTunes store. They'll give you handy ways to subscribe for free and get alerts when new episodes drop. Feedback on any of the movies we've talked about today, especially a ghost story, can be left uh, by emailing ryan at the Twitter, where I am matinee underscore CA, or facebook.com slash Any final thoughts? Yeah. I, well, wow, that was
1: so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
0: For Jolie Featherstone, I'm not gonna stop saying that name. I'm Ryan McNeil. We'll see you at the matinee.